Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Dennis Michelson, and Laurie Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. Now, Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. And welcome again to another edition of the Final Inspection Show. We'd like to thank our friends at Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin, along with the Milwaukee Area and Apple Auto Care Centers. And uh, in studio with us today, Tony DeZino from NBCSports.com. Welcome to the show, Tony. Hey, man two weeks in a row. Happy to be here. It's it's my pleasure. I love it when you're on the show. It makes my job easier. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what and, they tell me. And, of course, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline is Dennis Michelson from Racetalkradio.com. Welcome to the show, Dennis. Mr. Z and Mr. CD, it's good to be here. And uh looks like we, we have a new superstar in NASCAR, don't we? Finally. I've been waiting for this egg to hatch for two years. Kyle Larson wins again. His second race in Phoenix. But uh this one you could see, you could definitely see this one coming because but he had three Three, three runner-ups in a row, a couple thirds, and the one time he didn't finish in the top three, he runs out of fuel on the last lap of the Daytona 500 while yeah. weeding. Yes, and, uh, I mean, this guy is hooked up. I mean, we were expecting good things from him, and it's never been an issue, I think, of the driver. It's always been cheap Ganassi, as he's known in uh, NASCAR. Uh, Dennis, what's your opinion on the Kyle Larson affair here? Is this just one of many? Is this guy for real for the rest of the year? He is for real because it is not a case of suddenly the driver figuring out how to drive. It's just a case of this lower downforce package. If you look at what we have seen, look at how strong the 13 car has been this year. Look at how strong some of the other smaller teams have been this year. That, to me, is a sign that this lower downforce package is sort of evening the playing field. That combined with the fact that you just can't find any creative ways to uh, sneak in any advantage. So all of the uh, super high-tech computer uh, nonsense that the big teams have, 
and are willing to spend more money on than guys like uh, like Chip Ganassi is evening the playing field. So what we're ending up seeing is driver talent being the, the key. And I also think it's just a, a case that this lower downforce package is also helping the driver be more important and that's seeing some of these guys that are really, really talented race car drivers come to the top. You know, I'm looking at... ...the rest of the year? He is for real, because it is not a case of suddenly the driver figuring out how to drive. It's just a case of this lower downforce package. If you look at what we have seen, look at how strong the 13 car has been this year. Look at how strong some of the other smaller teams have been this year. That, to me, is a sign that this lower downforce package is sort of evening the playing field. That combined with the fact that you just can't find any creative ways to... uh, sneak in any advantage so all of the uh, super high-tech computer uh, nonsense that the big teams have and are willing to spend more money on than guys like uh, like Chip Ganassi is evening the playing field so what we're ending up seeing is driver talent being the the key and I also think it's just a, a case that this lower downforce package is also helping the driver be more important and that's seeing some of these guys that are really, really talented race car drivers come to the top. You know, I'm looking at my, my little cheat sheet for the results here, and you know, this is kind of sad. <laughs> well, I mean, it's good if you're Carl Larson because he won both races. He won the Xfinity. Well, how how race. weird is it, by the way, that we're talking about a Kyle that swept the weekend and it's not Kyle yeah, Busch? Exactly. I think it throws us off our state of equilibrium because, you know, it's like we come in every Saturday and we're like, oh, guess what? Kyle Busch won the Xfinity race again. And uh, it's kind of refreshing to have a Kyle that isn't Kyle Busch talk about this. We, we've talked about this before on the show. Uh, but, yeah, you look at the results and it's, uh, it's, it's a young man's game. It's, a, it's the new guys that are adapting to the new, the new lower down force era, I guess you could call it, of the package. Yeah, because, I mean, Brad Keselowski finished second. It's not really I – wouldn't I wouldn't call him an, an old-timer. Uh, Martin Truex was definitely competitive. Uh, uh, Kyle Larson led 110 laps. Yeah, Martin Truex with 73 laps led. Those were the two dominant guys. But uh, the the other one, the the feel-good story is the 14 car and Clint Boyer. And, you know, we were mentioning last year how, you know, last year was kind of a uh, a, a trip through purgatory for uh, Clint, Clint Boyer with uh, – what the heck number was I see? I even forgot the the, na- the number. Well, he, that was, he was he was still fifteen, but he was in the H Scott car, yeah, here, and, yeah. and it was basically the the year of surviving, uh, knowing that he was going to be coming out, you know, like a phoenix rising from Arizona. Uh, <laughs> after that point, to quote the Seinfeld line, but uh, yeah, Clint Clint was refreshed. I think he tweeted after the race that uh, okay, I can actually use a bottle of Jack for the right reasons now, as opposed <laughs> to in the past. So a happy a happy Clint Boyer and a, a Jack Clint Boyer is a a good. Clint Boyer for for it's good for NASCAR, and 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 the other guy who's been who's kind of I mean, for for some he might be under the radar, but it's Jamie McMurray, as well as Kyle Larson has been running. His teammate uh, Jamie McMurray has also 
also been running pretty well in the number one car. So I think if you're Chip Ganassi, you got to feel pretty good, uh, you know, over the last few weekends, and that certainly softens the blow of not winning at Sebring a couple of weeks ago in the 12-hour race in the, with the Ford GT cars. Uh, Dennis, is this a – could we see a situation where Chip's NASCAR team is actually more competitive than his IndyCar team this year? I'm not so sure I would go that far, but wouldn't it be cool to see Chip Ganassi – managed to win a title in NASCAR, IndyCar, and in IMSA in the same year. Wouldn't that be outrageous? Um, you know, I just, I think what we're seeing is just this total improvement of the team on the NASCAR side. When it comes to the IndyCar side, I'm going to defer to uh, Mr. Dezino because, uh, that that series has me pretty confused right about now. <laughs> this is IndyCar we're talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I trust me. I've got. I'm still several weeks on from Saint Petersburg, trying to wrap my head around Hondas being competitive, which didn't happen all of the last two years where they had five fast six appearances total and then to put four in at St. Pete where Dale Coyne's winning races from last to first where Z-Man's calling the prediction uh, where he called Bordet in advance you know I'm busy getting thrown out of suites and then uh, and then Chip Ganassi's team is, you know, suddenly raising the raising the flag for Honda. Where uh, I think their Chip has a way of of making the switch when it doesn't seem popular, and yet somehow parlaying that into success. He's done that throughout his career, and it, it's as if he's got another another brain cell that we're not well aware of. You know, he likes winners, but he likes money more than he likes winners, and you get money uh, from winning, and uh, that's where he's at. But yeah, I'm still tr- struggling to figure it out because this isn't this isn't your older brother of two years IndyCar anymore. I had a chance to talk to the folks at Honda sort of off the record. I won't mention any names that I talked to because that'll get me in trouble. But they were telling me, yeah, we'll be strong at the circle tracks this year, meaning last year. Um, But look out for next season. We really have something figured out. And I was of of the belief, oh, yeah, I've heard this song and dance before, you know, in, in from different manufacturers and different forms of racing. But they weren't lying. They really were looking down the road. They were willing to throw away the road courses last year in order to, to be competitive at Indy. But this year, they've got something figured out, and maybe it is teaming up with a good team. Uh, I don't know what the answer is of why they're suddenly stronger um, and it could all go away. Here. Well, there's a, there's a couple components to it. There, there's a couple components to it, Dennis. One of them is uh, Honda came out with an upgraded engine spec as of the Indy 500 last year. And so for the opening few races of the year, they were on a previous year's uh, specification. They were on the 2015 spec through the first three or uh, four or five races, I think. So when you make the power gains there on a track where you're already maybe four to five tenths off the pace suddenly if that's enough of a enough of a gain you know better power delivery off the corner there's a lot of slow corners at st petersburg and we'll see next weekend when they get to long beach if it continues uh that's a positive for them because and then there's just again it goes to a strength in numbers as well where there's 21 full-time cars there's 13 of them that are hondas and there's only eight chevys so if penske's off and the ed carpenter and aj foyt teams aren't 
quite there, then that leaves more room for Honda to, to make up the numbers. And we saw that where uh, Ganassi got in the fast six, Andretti got in the fast six, Schmidt Peterson got in the fast six, and Bourdais, if he doesn't have his incident on on uh, Saturday, he'd probably make it in there based on his practice pace too. Uh, so we're we're seeing the apple cart upside down. We're also, and it's good from a competitive balance standpoint because neither manufacturer wants to be in a so dominant situation where the other one is just fighting for scraps. I mean that doesn't that doesn't behoove either of them. Chevy doesn't want to win going away and Honda doesn't want to lose going away either. So uh, the fact that there's certainly a more level playing field in this last year of manufacturer aero kits before we get to the common kit that comes in next year, I think is a good sign for the series, even if if we mention it's it's a bit topsy-turvy and not something we're, uh, we're used to. I'm just relieved somebody in the racing industry wasn't lying to me. <laughs> what honesty and racing? I mean, it's it's as rare as common sense and logic, and those things are those things are not found in copious amounts when you go through paddocks, but they are found right here on the final inspection show. Yeah, it is interesting, you know, Dennis. You were mentioning the the youth movement, of course. Obviously, Kyle Larson is is uh, ahead big time in the points, but of course, with the current you know structure, the, the points don't really mean too much, but. It is interesting. It's Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott won two. Martin Truex, who's been just very consistent, and except for a couple exceptions late last year, which really blew up his chances to win a championship. And then we have, uh, I think, a couple of the other surprises here is how well Ryan Blaney's been running. Mm-hmm. He's in seventh. And then uh, very quietly, Eric Jones. Uh, Eric Jones has been really, I mean, everybody was looking at Daniel Suarez, Daniel Suarez, but that second... Uh, a furniture roll team has really gelled, and uh, for him to be running as well as he has been now, be interesting to see what what he does at Martinsville. We'll be talking more about that in this next segment, but it's uh, I think it really it's it's good about the youth movement in NASCAR, isn't it, Dennis? Real quick. Oh, absolutely. And Eric Jones and Kyle Larson have something uh, in common between the two of them. I saw both of them for the first time when they were 14 years old, respectively, had no idea who they were. And after watching them out there on the track for one practice, I said, holy cow, this guy is going to be something else. And both of them have gone on to be stars. So uh, these are kids that have been, you know, doing this since they were little kids. So uh, great to see them performing well and if it wasn't for some mistakes on pit road, Eric Jones may have won a race by now. So I, I think he's going to be a very, very strong contender all season long. Speaks volumes of Furniture Row that we're talking about. You know, low level top tens and fourth place finishes is disappointments for a team that you know when it started out barely even made the field and was a you know mid thirtieth place but entry. I think I love Cole Pern. I I think it's hard not to love Cole Pern. I think his interview uh, when they didn't take tires was was great because he was really candid to just say, "Yeah, you think we can beat him? No, no, probably not." So <laughs> he's he's too. Again, you go back to that whole honesty thing. You know, he's Canadian. He's He's way too polite. He's way gives away way too much. Uh, but my my goodness, what what that team has done, not operating in Charlotte, essentially the you know, I don't want to call them the Gibbs satellite team, but uh, you know what they've been able to do out of out of Denver, out of Colorado, has been fantastic. It really has been. And when we come back, we'll talk about the STP 500 at Martinsville Speedway, the little paperclip. And uh, you're listening to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and Union Grove, along with the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Centers on the web at milwcar.com. 
This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Wisconsin, along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Centers. And joining me in studio is Tony DeZino from NBCSports.com. And also on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, of course, is Dennis Michelson. From racetalkradio.com. And gentlemen, it's the STP 500. For those who love short track racing, this is, I guess, the epitome of short track racing and and history and everything since this is the oldest racetrack on the circuit. Uh, The paperclip, it's a half mile. It's uh, a lot of tempers flare, and we got grandfather clocks and disgusting hot dogs and all sorts of stuff. I guess we should start off, uh, first of all, Dennis, since uh, you've been there. Tell us, we do this once a year, and uh, we should at least do it for the first race of the year at Martinsville. Tell us about your experience with a track dog. (laughs) You know, it's hard to believe that this track has been there for 70 years. They're celebrating their 70th year of racing. Now, when it comes to Martinsville hot dogs, they're bizarre looking, and you know, they try to change the dog, and then eventually did change the dog, and have maintained, I guess, the the flavor and the texture, but it's the weirdest looking hot dog, and that's why you need to put as much junk on it as you can. Now, I prefer my hot dog at Martinsville without the coleslaw, and that's that's kind of sacrilege well, to well, some people. Well, first of all, well, Dennis, hold on, kept... Dennis, Dennis, hang on a second. First of all, you have to describe this thing because it looks like. Well, I hate to be blunt, an appendage I was just lopped off a body. I mean, it's 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 got no. It's very sickly looking, and I think they it's boil red. Them. Do they a boil these red things? Hot dog. Yeah, bright red hot dog. You put they put chili on it. Okay, that's good. I can it. I can do that. It's messy, but mustard you know. on it and coleslaw on it, and it it is such a mess to eat. But the greatest thing about a Martinsville hot dog. Now, I don't know if the price has gone up in the last couple of years, but the last time I was there, just like the first time I was there, almost eight years previous, it was still two bucks for a hot dog with all this junk on it. So you couldn't beat that. No, it was that's a pretty great good. breakfast. Great breakfast in the morning. That's impressive. Now, of course, that is a breakfast of champions. You're, you're, you're from the Chicago area. And the one thing that I think, I can agree with Chicago on is Chicago hot dog. So if you have the choice between a Chicago hot dog, which has to have the peppers on it, uh, and a Martinsville hot dog, which one is better? Oh, boy. You know, see, I like the chili dog. I really do. So, um, But both are a mess to eat. That's the one thing. That but is you true. Come down to the, you come down to the Chicagoland area, the two places to go, in River Grove, go to to uh, Jeans and Jude's. Jeans and Jude's. Yep, or, I've been there. Or if you're in, or you're, if you're in the Evanston area, you got to go to Mustard Glass Stand. Those are the two best hot dog joints in town. Of course, Portillo's anywhere right. is always good as well. But uh, those are my two favorite places to get a a real Chicago style dog. All That's right. the thing with Chicago style is, you know, Chicago style dogs, Chicago style pizza. You guys got to have your own style down there just doing everything. But uh, there's a reason because it's better. I'm surprised we don't have our own Chicago cheese. 
you know, because we you have can't have that, Dennis. Yeah, we, 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 Wisconsin cannot see the cheese belt. Yeah, there's south of the border. Of there's got to be some kind of some kind of uh, uh, referees, borders, reparations. Well, we've stolen everything else because uh, we invade on the weekends anyway. So it's you know wouldn't be shocking if we uh, if we claimed fame to that next. The um. I want to bring this up, and this is not, you know, we, I don't want to sound anti-NASCAR or anything, but this is a serious question because uh, I like to talk to fans, or fans will come up to me, people I work with and whatnot, like casual NASCAR fans. I like talking with them to kind of get the— Gauge the pulse. Yeah, exactly. The segments. Has anybody come up to you and mentioned the segments? Has anybody—now, I did have one non— uh, race fan, very, very, very casual fan, say, mentioned that this is what are they doing? And he seemed confused by it. But other than that, I mean, it hasn't really changed anything, at least in my opinion, from the people I've spoken with. And they kind of, kind of get, you know, curl up their lip a little bit when I mentioned it to them. Have you guys, what, what's, what, what's your opinion on this thing? Or, for, or I should say your fans, your friends, or whatever. What have they said? Dennis? Well, the only feedback that I've really heard has surprised me because it's been positive. I did not expect that. Um, as far as myself goes, looking at this new stage concept, here's one thing. What we've traded, basically, are the bogus debris cautions that NASCAR was throwing at a regular basis throughout the race to... to uh, queue up the, the racing to be better. We've gotten rid of the debris cautions, which could come out at any random time that the NASCAR debris caution cannon operator decided to fire the uh, debris onto the track. And, and we replaced that with a strategic timeout in the race. So you know what you're racing to. You know what lap you're racing to. And, and if you look at the stats, it's true. The number of debris cautions is way, way down this year. So if we have to trade a bogus debris caution for this stage racing, I'm okay with it. One thing that I will say that is, is it has added in is it's added by subtraction because it's taken away the fuel mileage race thing. It, it, for the most part, I think at most tracks, we're going to see it eliminate this racing, you know, scheduling races in reverse as far as planning them, where the minute you get on the track, you're saving fuel. Because in this case, it's, it is broken up into, into three segments now. And that third segment is the only time that fuel mileage might come into play, but the cautions would have to fall just right in order for that to happen. The thing there, there is, there's long runs. There's all even with this, with the breaks. There's still been plenty of long runs. I did find it funny uh, this past week at Fontana how we went from no cautions except for kind of the botched, goofy start that took Keselowski hit every branch of the tree on the way down the grid, uh, <laughs> and then the cautions at the end of the race where we had I think four or five within a 25 lap period. You know, it's like BK Racing gets its TV time by having Greg Galding and Corey LaJoy crash out in the last 15 laps. It's like, guys, I mean, Kyle Larson should have won in a landslide 
Instead, he had to nail four or five different restarts at the end, so he earned it, you know, every second. Um, I, I guess I don't know. It's it's hard. It's hard when you like seeing strategy from a long run perspective, but I guess from from that standpoint, uh, I've been okay with it. I, I haven't despised it. I have noticed how much the stages have made a huge impact on the championship. Larson's been. He's been he's been in this stage every yep. stage thus far. He's not missed out of the top ten, which is pretty re- remarkable. And Keselowski hadn't missed one until the first stage at Fontana. And coming into the week, they were one two in points. So where it's had more of an effect has been in an actual statistical standpoint, maybe than more than than the race standpoint, at least from from my vantage point. And and I think that's I, I think that's good, especially when you're when you're dominating, you should be rewarded a little bit more. And this is a case where Kyle Kyle Larson is is on a run. Who knows how long this is going to go on for? Because everybody gets those dips in in the season and whatnot. But at least he can, you know, he can kind of bank something for for being so dominant. Dennis, yeah. The one thing that I will say about this new system is I hope that it doesn't sort of blind NASCAR to the reality that they still have a lot of work to do on this rule package. I'm really tired of hearing the TV announcers and the radio announcers having to convince me that the racing (laughs) back in the pack has been off. Right. Well, you know, that's all well and good. But when you talk about a race 10 or 20 years later, I don't think you're talking about the battle, the, the classic battle for fifth place. I think you're talking about what happened up front. How many times did the lead swap during that green flag run? How much two and three wide racing were we seeing for the lead? And if you subtract the first five laps after every restart, you've had races this season where we've gone without a, a single green flag pass for the lead all race long. That tells you how bad this this arrow package is and i'm thinking here's what i would love if if i got a chance to to have nascar ask me hey you've been watching us forever what one thing would you like to see us try and i would say for the all-star race take the front splitter off and go back to a front valence and see what happens see if we get better racing or worse racing and do it as an experiment, sort of a beta test, if you will, during the all-star race. If it works, you can go ahead and implement that change in the rules in about three or four weeks' time, and the teams would be fine with it. But I still think that we're not seeing the best racing that we can see, and I still have a problem with grass being able to destroy a stock car. We talk about it each and every week because it happens each and every week. But I'm I'm getting really tired of seeing, you know, blades of grass destroy a car that's supposed to be called a stock car. That is a good point. That is Dennis Michelson, of course, of Racetalkradio.com. Joining me in studio today is Tony DeZino from NBCSports.com. Make sure to check out their stuff on the Motorsports tab section for Tony for the best in open wheel and sports car racing. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about an article that was written earlier this week, and I want to gauge the uh, opinion of Tony and Dennis 
You're listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and Union Grove, along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Centers on the fan. Straightway in Union Grove. Make sure to check out their website for all the latest. Spring is coming and the track will be opening soon if it hasn't already. And make sure to check out our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Centers on the web on the web at milwcar.com. And of course, joining me in studio, Tony DeZino from NBCSports.com. And on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline is Dennis Michelson from Race Talk Radio. And uh Tony, I wanted to chat with you about this article, Jenna Fryer, who uh, we see, and she's covering IndyCar for a while, and we'd run into her, and uh, she's written an article uh, on her morning column about NASCAR. And what's the title of it again, please? It is NASCAR Off to a Fast Start, but Ratings Still Stink. I printed it, and of course the title didn't uh, print up on my little cheat sheet here. And it basically, uh, first paragraph, bad news for us. The overnight ratings for NASCAR's race in California were down. Ratings were down for Phoenix, Las Vegas, and Atlanta, too. Basically, nothing NASCAR can NASCAR does can stop the slide, it seems. So what's the good news? Well, NASCAR couldn't have asked for a better start to the season. And that, I think, I pretty much agree. I mean, it, the races generally have been entertaining especially the finishes you got kyle bush and you got some other issues going on daytona was of course always a big event she brings out you know, rob gronkowski was there and uh all the, the all the vips that were at fontana and the pre-race show and you got clint boyer's running well so he's getting more camera time and it, whenever clint's on tv he's one of the more entertaining drivers that there is you got Kyle Larson, the star of the future, kicking butt. And she brings in a, a point that I think Dennis and I and Tony and a few others on the show, Sparky too, have mentioned about the races, and that's the length. Mm-hmm. And she she brought she brings up a, a the NC the NCA men's tournament. And one of the things that makes the tournament work. Of course, let's be honest, number one is gambling. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect vehicle for gambling. But number two, college basketball is the perfect television length. Yes. On opening Thursday, opening week, on opening day, you got the 16. Thir- the Thursday and Friday of the NCAA tournament, the first weekend, boom. is the best two days of TV in the year. I mean, Bar none. One it's, after another. It's, boom, boom, it, well, boom. you've got, here's the thing, 16 games, four each, you know, they're not directly all on at the same time, but there's enough crossover to where if one buzzer beater exactly. is happening, you can go to the next one or vice versa. And But the window is such that it's only a two-hour window, so every minute that you're watching matters. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the, the, the change this year to the state Ages was to try to make every lap matter, and yet somehow, I don't know if that's really translated, it doesn't seem to have translated in the TV ratings, because in theory, if every lap's supposed to matter, you're going to want to stay for both ones. Or you come in at stage two and stage three, and you're like, what stage are we at? What segment are we at? I haven't found it to where uh, there's as much... 
hype about the thing is, and for two reasons. One, one's the length. I think the races are too long. And second is we don't have a villain. And I've said that before. I don't think there is enough proper rivalry to get people to tune in beyond just the, hey, you know, this is a great story. Well, great stories don't, you know, generate clicks or, or ratings the way villains do. I was, okay, perfect example. trying to make a villain. Well, here's the thing. I'm in St. Petersburg for the IndyCar race, right? And that's the same time as Las Vegas. I don't realize until several hours after the fact that Martin Truex Jr. won the race because all I'm hearing is, hey, you hear there was a fight in NASCAR? You hear there was a Logano and Kyle Busch? And, you know, it's funny. A a buddy of mine's actually now uh, uh, Joey's PR rep. And, you know, he's the one that did the takedown in the video, just trying to keep him out with the Penske white shirt. I mean, it's still pressed, you know, perfectly starched, even as he's trying to take a guy out of a fight. And I'm, I'm just sitting there thinking, this is it right here. I mean, I'm figuring out more about what happened in NASCAR. Because of something that happened after the race, something that went viral, something that was clickable and you know huge, uh, that was that was more what piqued my interest in it than the fact that oh, Truex led two hundred fifty some odd laps, won all three stages, and was not the lead story. Dennis, what's your take on this? Well, you know, first of all, we mentioned how great the NCAA basketball tournament is, and their ratings have been slowly sliding. Now, they're still great, and NASCAR's ratings are sliding. But would any other form of racing in North America, they would, they would just be killing to get the audience that NASCAR gets for a truck race or for an Xfinity race, let alone Cup. So, first of all, yes, the ratings are down versus what they've been. And we're seeing that in just about every sport except for the NFL. Which even that okay. was down this year. Right. Even that was down. Even that was down quite significantly, actually, especially early in the season. But, but the reality is that the whole landscape of how people are consuming things on television is changing. So there's a new normal here. You combine that with the fact that, quite frankly, the last two years, in NASCAR has been really hard to watch on some weekends. It's no different than if you've got your favorite restaurant that you've gone to for years, okay? But all of a sudden, you either get lousy service or lousy food, or even worse, lousy service and lousy food. Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of one restaurant in India that's like that. The service well, is still good, go, but the food are is you yeah, are you going to keep going back to that place, especially if you hear other people complaining about it? You're not. You're going to stop watching in the NASCAR terms. You're going to stop watching the NASCAR races. And you're going to be stuck with just your diehard fans. NASCAR is clinging to all these concepts of, oh, we're losing Jeff Gordon and we lost Tony Stewart and we lost drivers come and go. It's no different than in in football when you lose a lot of big stars to retirement every year. The new stars come in. It's the action that people crave and that they'll keep tuning in for. I don't care if you were a diehard Earnhardt fan. If you love racing, you still love racing after Earnhardt passed away. Now, you may not watch it every week, but you're still watching it most of the time if you're really a racing fan. You know, so NASCAR, you know, they've got to look at the, in the mirror. 
There is nobody within NASCAR now that is willing to tell them to their faces, hey, Emperor, you ain't got no clothes on. You're, you're streaking buck naked down the track here, buddy. Go put some clothes on. They need to make changes, but there's nobody there except for the echo chamber of the media that they pay to say good things about them. And when you get into that echo chamber and that's all you believe, it, you're not going to listen to, you're, you're not going to hear anything else except for what's going on in that echo chamber. And that's what we're seeing with NASCAR. This year, the racing hasn't been outstanding the first five weeks of the season, but the stories have been insane. So we've gone more from this being a racing series to being an entertainment series. And while it's been plenty entertaining, I'm not so sure that the racing has been great. And I think in order to get fans coming back, just like, you know, if you get a Groupon offer to a lousy restaurant that you used to like, you might give them a try. The same thing's going on in NASCAR. And, you know, I, I just sort of look at, at things and say, we're not there yet with these rule changes, yet NASCAR thinks they are because all they hear is what they hear in the echo chamber that they've created. Yeah, I, I think one thing that was interesting, and Tony can can perhaps back me up, or and was there wasn't a lot of discussion about Jenna's article on the NASCAR side, was there, Tony? <sighs> not really. I mean, it's uh, I think there's... There's a challenge that the media is walking now that I don't think existed several years ago. I think there's a lot more. Uh, I think the word is collaboration. I think you know mm -hmm. because you're if you're an invested stakeholder, that's kind of the the term de rigueur, I guess would would be used. Uh, you're part of promoting the product. And sometimes you have to be self-critical, and this is and, and Dennis, you and I have talked about this before, but I think that's where an area where IndyCar has been able to excel in recent years is if you can constructively criticize what is or critique what is what needs to be fixed, then you help fix that. Whereas I think it's become harder for voices to stand out properly uh, in NASCAR. I think one of the the cool things that's happened this year is Jeff Gluck going independent with his site because. Uh, I think Gluck under the USA Today banner, where there's a content partnership, is not going to be able what Jeff Gluck is able to do for JeffGluck.com, and that's kind of begin to become its own running joke, you know, throughout the year. You know, it's like, and good on him for what he's what he's done, but it's like, you know, Earnhardt Jr.'s tweeted about the hat. He's been on podcasts. He got the viral video. Gluck may be an outlier, but if he's not constrained by the corporate tie-in, he might have a little more editorial freedom. But he gets drowned out by the echo chamber because yeah, somewhat, I'm not sure he does though. Yeah, he's he's I feel like there's been more chatter about what he's done this year than there has been some of the others. I mean, yeah. I can tell you that, you know, so one of the challenges that you have to do is revamp the content to match what is preferred, I guess, or what you like as the talking points, but you it doesn't work that way. You you talk about what's happening, you can't really be force-fed points down. And that's that's the that's the challenge. I actually really respect Jenna for for writing what she did. You know, she's never been afraid to hold back if the if the time's right and, you know, if it's a constructive criticism piece, good good honor for it. But look what happened with their enhancement. These were rule changes. This wasn't getting rid of the chase. It, they didn't get rid of the chase 
by calling it the playoffs. It's still a chase. But what did you see from the NASCAR media? You see, saw everybody falling in line of calling them enhancements. You didn't see a single one of the regular NASCAR rank and file dare say rule changes. So they are controlling the story effectively. It, you're right, Gluck is the outlier, but other than the video that got the attention and the hat because of the video got attention, you know, the, the hat thing sort of happened the same weekend that he got blown out of, you know, the universe by showing that you could have, you know, this, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of camera equipment miss the biggest fight of the season. And a guy with an iPhone 7 walking down pit road got the best video of all. It, it's just ironic. But that's what catapulted him back into the mainstream. Otherwise, I'm watching the Twitter exchanges. And until he did the video and then they're joking about the hat, when he's been super critical of NASCAR, there's been no interaction. Well, why would NASCAR articles. want to share that, though? I mean, look but at it from their I'm perspective. But, but no, what I'm saying is none of the rank-and-file NASCAR reporters that are supposed to be independent will even dare interact with his Twitter feed, except when they're talking about cutesy stuff like the hat or they're talking about stuff like the video, which was then purchased. I, see, I don't know. Gluck, Gluck the first weekend went off on the caution clock. Like the first weekend it came in in the truck series, he he went off af, went off at people that were complaining about the caution clock saying, why is this a thing? You know, and it's like, oh, of course it's a thing. And it, it, it was Daytona was the outlier in that because you had so many crashes. Uh, but I didn't have a problem with, with him doing that. So I don't know. Maybe it's just me paying more attention to it this year. When you're in the media, you kind of have to track the media a little bit harder. Uh the challenge is just making sure that the stories that should get told do. It's just a question of how it's presented. That's that's really the challenge that I see. All right. Well, there you have it. That was that was a very good exchange. Oh, Thank spirited. you, guys. That was a spirited exchange between Dennis Michelson of racetalkradio.com. Of course, we'll be hearing more from him with Laurie Monroe later in the show. In fact, in the next segment, uh, we'll be hearing from uh, Dennis and Laurie. Coming up here, and then uh, after the top of the hour, Tony and I will rejoin the show, and we'll get you up to date with the latest in IndyCar racing. Dennis, thank you so much for coming on the radio with us, and uh, what's the latest at Racetalkradio.com? Well, tune in every day over at Racetalkradio.com. We'll have an article. We'll have an audio piece. We'll have something for you to enjoy. And, of course, you can listen to Couch Potato Corner, my little recap, of the race. Hey, when, when you go ahead and you have the only exclusive audio with Barney Visser all weekend, that's a pretty big deal. So check out Couch Potato Corner every Monday. Well, maybe I got my Barneys mixed up. You got to go to racetalkradio.com and listen to Couch Potato Corner now so you get the joke. But we've always got something for you each and every day over at Race Talk Radio. Well, thank you so much. And uh, when we come back, we'll be hearing from uh, Dennis and Laurie Monroe and the latest in NASCAR. And uh, you've been listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin, along with the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Centers on the web at milwcar.com. <laughs> This 
This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. This is Dennis Michelson from Racetalkradio.com. Joining me as she does each and every Saturday afternoon, it's Lori Monroe, and it is time to talk NASCAR. Lori, um, our compatriots at Race Talk Radio had an absolutely fantastic article this week where he Mm -hmm. was asking, who do you trust in the NASCAR media? And that really got me thinking. What did it make you think? It made me think that there isn't anybody right now that I trust in the NASCAR media. For many years, after a race, I would look forward to hearing a David Poole on a Monday morning talk about NASCAR. I'd look forward to hearing during the race what a Daryl Waltrip thought, uh, or a Buddy Baker even, going way back when, or a Benny Parsons, what they thought about what they just saw is that I was looking forward to seeing and hearing what they had to say. And now in today's NASCAR, I'm not sure I believe anybody. Well, who's left? Who's left of that group? Nobody. They're all yeah, gone. on one hand. You'd have to be an amputee. They're but, all gone. All of those the, voices are gone, and it's but, a sad thing. But over the years, when a, you know, when a Tom Higgins would retire, mm-hmm. a new voice would come in. A new you know, guy you trusted would come in. Now, with all of the newer people reporting on the sport, I don't even need to look at the names because it's almost the same stuff coming out of everybody. It, it is just the weirdest thing that we've seen happen in the NASCAR media. Yeah, and that's the evolution of it, sadly. And uh, I guess you can, thank, uh, you can thank headquarters for that. So is that why when Dale Jarrett sounded off so, so unequivocally, this is a bad idea, he said, when they talked about restrictor plates at Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the Xfinity mm-hmm. Series, and he was so over the top that this was a horrible idea. Was it the fact that we never hear negative about NASCAR nowadays that really got me to perk up and pay attention to DJ? Well, what got me to pay attention to Dale Jarrett was the fact he refused to then drink out of a cup given by NASCAR or have a piece of the pie (laughs) that was being served later that day. And have you seen Dale Jarrett since? No. No, and that's the thing. No, I know. Are we going to see him disappear and never be seen again? We've seen him already start to morph. He's starting to change his identity. He's got this scruffy face. He's starting (laughs) to look like a hobo. So I think he's going to go underground very soon because to be that vocal – and to basically say what all of us fans say, like you're nuts to be putting plates on those cars at uh, Indianapolis. The guy's got to go into hiding. It was a-, a shock to me that anybody would be that outspoken. And then when it he was refreshing, a- it was a refreshing shock. Refreshing is the perfect word. Yeah. Yeah. I, I once again had faith that my ears actually were not lying to me what they heard. Mm-hmm. How surprised were you that NASCAR would make this announcement 
that they were going to put restrictor plates on without having done sort of a trial balloon like they do with everything else. Well, if you have a look at your calendar right now, it's a very, very special day. April Fool's Day. And that's exactly, <laughs> it's like it was an April Fool's joke. I, honest to God, thought this has got to be a joke because that would be the last place on earth you would think they'd be doing anything like this. I just shook my head. And I was glad to hear some of the other media people be very, you know, they raised an eyebrow at this as well. So it's not just us. It's not just us fans. There's a lot of people out there not really happy with the, the prospect of having plates at that track. Will this give other media people the courage to actually nah. speak up? No, I, I don't think so. I think I think the media really just sort of walks the line. They watch what they say. You know, we don't need any more missing people out there. So <laughs> I just, I really think that they are given, you know, they're given information from NASCAR and they just report that information. I don't think there's a lot of real good opinion slash commentary left out there. It's gone. Why? What is missing? Are these just people that are reporting on the sport? Missing? I just said the, the people are missing. There's bodies everywhere. Nobody knows where they are. So what that might not even be Dale Jarrett out there disguised as Dale Jarrett saying <laughs> this. I, it worries me, Michelson. You could be next. So you're saying that I'm going to wake up some morning. No, you and... won't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's just, even worse. Don't, don't drink that special elixir they send. I was thinking that someday – oh, you mean that case of Monster Energy drink that came last Don't week? Don't touch it. Okay, Don't touch I was, it. I was worried about the blood clots, but you're telling me I should worry <laughs> that it's been tainted as well. Oh, yeah. It, I think there's a special case for people like you. Okay, because I was thinking that I would wake up some morning, and instead of being no. in my, my nice warm home, I'd be on a deserted island with Dale Jarrett and Mike Harper. That'd be you about know what? it. Would, would that be so bad? No, it wouldn't. It that wouldn't. really wouldn't be that bad. No, it... Unless it was one of these naked and afraid deals like <laughs> on TV. Oh, please. Let's not go there. This is a family <laughs> show, Monroe. Jeez. So does this actually make you trust oh. what you hear from Dale Jarrett when he says something nice about the oh, sport yeah. now? Well, you know, it has to because you have to temper the the stuff that you assume that they're just going along with it. They want it, you know, they want to speak well of your sport. Anybody wants to speak well of the sport or the business or the company they, they work for. So you really got to have a little bit of both ways. You have to also you have to be critical. You also have to be complimentary. And that's what makes for a person whose opinion you can trust. So if all you're given all the time by a person is, oh, everything is sunshine and lollipops, you're just not going to really believe them all the time. It's like the, the journalist who cried wolf. You got to have a little bit of both. So yeah, this, this went a long way uh, uh, for Dale Jarrett, as far as I'm concerned. Very interesting to see, and it'll be very interesting to see just how much of a disaster the Xfinity Series race will be at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Oh the, 
the races have been bad, but you slap a restrictor oh, plate on it, I can only crazy. see it getting worse. It's like it's bad enough indeed. they they put a nail in IRP, ORP, LORI, whatever they want to call it this week. They drive a stake through its heart, and then they keep going. They keep pummeling the Xfinity series till there really is going to be nothing left. So true indeed. Well, folks, it is time for us to step out and take a quick break, but more NASCAR talk coming up. You're listening to 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the final inspection. 105.7 FM, The Fan. Lori and Dennis on a Saturday afternoon talking NASCAR. It just doesn't get any better than that, or can it, folks? Because, Lori, you know what time it is. Oh, I hear it. Oh, yeah. It is time for some still blowing. Tell folks out there in the great state of Milwaukee and beyond on the Internet what a still blowing is all about. Uh, Still blowing. You got to go to people's backyards, just like your backyard, Dennis Michelson. You see a big old still there, stuff bubbling out the top, little jar on the bottom. You're making some fancy drinks out there. So, yeah, a lot of people didn't like stills that go around blowing them up. And we like blowing up stills every week, too, of things that have got us upset in the world of NASCAR. If you have a still you want blown up, send an email to Dennis or I. Go to racetalkradio.com. You can find us there. Absolutely, folks. This is a uh, listener participation segment, if you would like. And uh, Lori Monroe, do you have a still that needs blowing this week? I do, and I am blowing up water. Water? Water. Water. Not just any water. I'm blowing up the water at Joe Gibbs Racing. Oh, my goodness. First, you've got Carl Edwards sauntering off, and now all of a sudden, you've got Dave Rogers out as well. What is going on over at Joe Gibbs Racing with this 19 team? Is there something coming out of the tap there that's, turning people off i was stunned to hear dave rogers is departing as well indefinitely or is this such a shock to his system crew chiefing for a guy that was a threat to win each and every week that he went to the track and now he's stuck with a rookie who i don't know yeah I, i just don't know and You know, we could sit here and make light of it and make fun of it, but I just hope to heck everything is okay with Dave Rogers and his family and just everything like that. But it's just sort of weird that you've got Edwards gone, Dave Rogers gone, Scott Graves is now the crew chief for Suarez. I just, uh, it's scary. So I wouldn't be drinking the water over at Joe Gibbs Racing. Anybody, don't drink the water. Bring your own. Pack something. And Scott Graves already having to deal with trouble because, of course, Mr. Suarez backing his car up into the wall at Martinsville and forcing a backup car to be used this weekend. So uh, mm-hmm. trouble over there at the 19. But I'm I'm with you, Lori. I'm hoping it's not something either health or family related. Yeah. I hope it's yeah. I hope it's just a sign. That Carl Edwards and Dave Roger will uh, end up reuniting over at Penske. Reunited and it feels so good. Or even better, starting up that new Dodge team. Well, you know. That's been rumored. It's all the talk, yeah. To death. 
and everything else. Well, I have a still that needs blowing as well because I'm going to oh, blow okay. up the fans this week. The and fans? That I'm is Michelson. Blow up the fans, and specifically, wow. I'm blowing up the fans that just don't seem to understand how this NASCAR crew chief and thing works. Let me explain. Okay. All week long, we're hearing about the penalties from the week before to Keselowski and Harvick's teams. And again, these fans throw them out. They're cheaters. They're cheaters. Throw them out. They're cheaters. They're missing measurements by thousands of an inch. This compared to what we used to see back in the day with NASCAR, where it was a crew chief's God-given right to find out a way to make it necessary for NASCAR to have another rule the next week. Innovation is what made this sport great. Creative minds like Smokey Eunuch and Dale Inman, and I could go on and on. Those are the guys that made this sport fun to watch for me. Almost as much as the drivers on the track, because they'd figure out ways around the NASCAR rulebook. And now, if somebody doesn't measure up by a thousandth of an inch, NASCAR fans want the guy lynched. When did we become so soft, Laurie Monroe? I know. It's awful. Oh, it's just terrible. So that is uh, two very good still blowings mm-hmm. this week. And I'm yeah. I'm going to leave it up to you because this is a tough, tough choice again. I know. Well, you, you mentioned those two magic words, so I think you win. Oh, those would be smoky and eunuch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, I guess you you did hear that they've named a character in the new Cars movie after him. I did not hear that. Oh, yes. Oh, oh my yes. goodness. It's His name is Smokey. I want to watch that now. Oh, Wait. now it makes me want to watch it, too. So anyway, let's blow it up. Let's blow up the fans. Blowing up the fans for being too sensitive nowadays. Yeah. Here we go. There's just yes. nothing like a good still blowing. Oh, yeah, we could do that all day long. It soothes the soul, Laurie Monroe. But I I agree with you. This was was tough this week because there is something going on at Joe Gibbs Racing. Oh, yeah. It's it's just too – is it too obvious or there's just too many weird things happening? I just don't know. It's odd. No, there's something weird going on over there, and I'm not sure what it is. Maybe Mm -hmm. this is a sign – that Carl Edwards was forced out and Dave Rogers is not happy about it. I don't or, know. We could sit here and banter forever about what the, what it could be. You know, we could also just take both of these men at their word and that could still be the case. You know, Carl Edwards out driving around in a field, tilling corn or something. No, or showing up to coach Suarez on any. Oh, just don't weekend. remind us of that. Absolutely. Well, that was... We're supposed to forget that, yeah. (laughs) That was one of the big news stories of the week that Lori covered so well. Another big news story. Did you hear Dale Jr. this week? He was talking about how great he feels this season. Yeah, and that's good. Yeah. So the concussion long long ago now, it's in the distant memory. He even sounds better on interviews. He... Yeah, he sounds better. He looks better. Because when you just think back 
over the last couple of years even sometimes he'd get uh he'd finish a race get out of the car and just be like out of breath just just not not right and now he's looking everybody in the eye and he's talking away you can't shut him up when he's up in the booth doing some commentary he's fabulous you know good for him for looking after himself getting uh getting the help that he needed recognizing that he did need help and from the sounds of it his symptoms were were completely disabling to him so that would have been very very scary so really good to see him having uh having a having a better time for sure too often in nascar racing you know for years and years now this is a guy who's got a guaranteed contract he doesn't have to look over his shoulder worried about losing his ride i mean i i still but that's the mentality of a racer i still remember an interview years ago with Dale Earnhardt where he's out fishing at the pond after a bad season. And this is a seven-time champion, and he was talking as if he was fearful of getting fired during the yeah. offseason because somebody else will oh. take my ride, and I'll be, out, I'll be out of this business. These guys do race hurt way too often, and I'm, I'm thinking that the best thing for him was to take a super long time off and – come back because he, he really does look like he's having fun and he's racing great as well. Yeah, absolutely. I heard uh, Daryl Waltrip speaking this week about the changes in NASCAR and, and what what he might have enjoyed with uh, it, during his career with the changes that we have now. And the one thing that he said, or a couple things that he said, was the um, the traveling medical crew that they have now, but also the fact that now you can miss a couple of races and not jeopardize your championship. And he said he would have loved that that if if that would have been the case when he was racing as well. So these guys had to race hurt. There was no yeah. no two ways about it. They were racing with broken bones and everything because it was their their income. They had to race hurt. Yeah, it's it's just amazing how the the sport has changed, but you kind of yeah. wonder how many of those guys racing hurt affected their later life, you know, like a, oh, a yeah. Fred Lorenzen and all these other guys yeah. who are having some issues later in life. So great to see Dale Jr. back at the track. I just enjoy hearing him talk about racing now. He is so excited. It's like we got it got the old junior back it's it's a lot of fun to see also in the news this week news that felix sabatis and his cigars will be returning to the track soon i uh i was shocked to learn that he was so sick i had no clue that this man was hospitalized for a long time he was in a coma and i even read where chip ganassi said he had to he went and bought a suit because he thought he'd be going to to Felix's funeral. I had no clue. I did not know this. I'm glad to hear someone else say that because I had no clue either. So You know, it's... but the thing is, this is probably, you know, people's private lives are private and we end up knowing so much about everybody. Everything's always thrown out there. It's it's almost nice that they kept this a personal, quiet thing and you're just finding out afterwards. And also speaking of Mr. Chip Ganassi, he said in an interview this week that he is concerned when Kyle Larson goes out and races sprint cars. And the way Kyle Larson is racing this year, I think his concern over those sprint cars has gone up. Yeah, I don't know. I I I understand it. I understand that 
you have a driver under contract and you don't want him to have any accidents, wrecks, issues, broken bones, have to sit out. I get that. But this is what these guys do. This is what they are born to do. You look at a guy like Kyle Busch, not racing only hurts these guys. You got to let them race whenever they can, whatever they want, you know, certainly within reason. You got to worry about Kyle Larson, of course, doing the sprint car deal. But, you know, what are you going to do? You can't stop these guys from living their lives. I, uh, anything can happen to anybody going to buy milk in your family car. So, yeah, maybe your, your chances of mishap <laughs> a little bit better in a, in a race car. But you just can't stop these guys from doing what they love. Very good point, Laurie Monroe and Martinsville Speedway, the little paper clip is on the schedule this week and it's going to be fantastic chamber of commerce weather for the race wow. on sunday Lori monroe who is your pick <sighs> would you believe i'm going with chase elliott very interesting choice how about that that is a very bold choice and i'm getting it off is. of the kevin harvick thing so put your money on kevin harvick i'm taking jiminy johnson this week really okay so we're both with a Hendrix motorsport driver. Listen, yeah, Hendrix. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, thanks oh, for boy. tuning in this afternoon to the NASCAR segment here on 105.7 FM. The Fan, more with Steve Zotke coming up. Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at the Milwaukee area Napa Auto Centers. And joining me, of course, in studio is Tony DeZino from NBCSports.com. What's going on there? So it's April, and suddenly that means both F1 and IndyCar are in full swing, which is great. Uh, next week, Long Beach and the Chinese Grand Prix. So we've got both IndyCar and F1 for the first time this year on the same weekend. Get your Ooh. DVRs ready. Yeah. Uh, Later in the month, Barber and uh, Phoenix IndyCar races and also the Bahrain Grand Prix later in the month. So busy weekend of open wheel content uh, and then the run up to May. So, uh, yeah, April is always a good month. And, of course, the big news, of course, out of the Circuit of the Americas, also known as CODA. Justin Timberlake is going to be playing this year's uh, U.S. Grand Prix. Yeah, that's not a message you get very often from my uh, my F1 colleagues. Like, hey, Timberlake doing F1, doing code is worth a post. I'm like, oh, yeah, he is. That is. Um, so that was cool news earlier this week when, uh, when that came through. Um, one of the big draws actually to the U.S. Grand Prix last year was Taylor Swift's concert. She didn't have any the rest of the year. Uh, the track announced that she had you know, had 80,000 fans. I think that's a little exaggerated. Mm -hmm. It's probably closer to 50 or 60, but take it in, take it for what it's worth. If the weather's great, you get in, you know, you do tickets, you know, for the Saturday portion of the on track and you go straight to the concert, just go out on the lawn and Timberlake's a megastar. I mean, when you have somebody of, of T Swift's caliber, we talked about T Swift last week, actually, if if memory serves, uh, so go figure. Right. Uh, but, uh, Timberlake is on par, if not, if not bigger from a, a star perspective. And that's the thing with, with that track circuit of the Americas needs as much possible revenue as it can get for the number of events it hosts. It hosts three sports car events. It has another one coming in December. It does a vintage 
edge stuff. And then the F1 race, you know, if the racing itself's not going to be much of a draw, you, you need something to get people out there. And I'm, I'm a big fan of, of them doing that from a concert standpoint. And, and for those who may not remember, two years ago, they probably had the worst weekend an F1 event has had. They took many, a bath literally, literally figuratively, yes. mentally, psychologically. Yep. Every way forward, I I forget Bobby Epstein's exact quote, but it was something like you know you know it sucked or it was it was just it was a really notice memorable you know fiasco I, I mean, guess we we I think we've both been at races a race weekends where there's been rain and it rains maybe one day or rains in the afternoon it'll wash out the end of the activities but this was three days and it wasn't it's, just like a thunderstorm no. Well, it was continual, not a drizzle. It was rain. I mean, this was Texas. You know, they they say everything's bigger in Texas. This is I, a big Texas. Well, rain. I'll, I'll tell you that that weekend. You know, I've been doing this for. I've been a fan for twenty plus years. This is my eleventh or twelfth year. You know, on the circuit. I would say sixth or seventh since I graduated. I've never stayed home from a. I've never stayed at the hotel for a day. But the roads were so unsafe on the Saturday. I covered that Saturday from home. I did not see the value in going out to the track. Uh, so I watched qualifying practice. It's like I had the NBC Sports app, so I could do everything from my laptop mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, and I was getting feedback from the track saying, "Hey, if you don't have to come, then don't." So. You know, lounging in the hotel, watching online, and uh, eating a Five Guys burger, which was right near the hotel. It was it was fine, but uh, I'd, I'd never had that scenario prior to that. Um, so it's interesting times, but it was glad it was huge to see the weather back good last year because they needed it after a pretty nightmarish 2015. And the uh, the other big news in IndyCar racing is we got a a, a good we got some. A little thumbnail kind of look of the 2018 car, but on. On Wednesday, they released a, a pretty decent uh, rendering of how the car is going to look, and you know I, I'm I'm a I'm a pretty harsh critic when it comes to stylings of that of of race cars and whatnot, but uh, definitely a two thumbs up. And even a buddy of mine had texted it to him, and he gave me a thumbs up on it. And he, he's just as hard of a critic as I am. And Tony, what are your friends saying about it? I like it. I've gotten a lot of good texts about it. Um, it was positive. I think. IndyCar has been very, they haven't been defined to a specific day with the release of this. It's not like, okay, we're doing it the Friday of St. Pete. We're doing it the Thursday of Indy Week. It's like, we've got a range. We want to get it right. We don't want to rush it just for the sake of getting it out there. And I think the the rendering, which it's not the final version, but it's pretty dang close. Um, it's a big improvement. It looks a lot sleeker. The airbox is gone as expected. Uh, the side pods are pushed back a little bit. The radiators are pushed back. There's safety enhancements. Uh, noticeably absent, there's no windscreen. There's nothing in terms of cockpit protection just right. from the exterior. Uh, that's been a big, is it going to be real talking point? And I admire IndyCars. Uh, not rush again, not rushing into it. You don't want to put something on there that you think's a solution that inadvertently creates something else. So, uh, diligence and, and, uh, part of a long-term plan. I gotta be honest, IndyCar having a long-term plan from a series standpoint for the first time, it almost feels like the series has more of a direction than the 500 does where the 500 mm-hmm. is just like, Hey, we had the hundredth. 
now what? So right. uh, it's it, there's not for for eight years there's been okay the speedway the centennial era you know we've got this that the other you know all the buildup and and pretty much for ten years it's been all about the speedway now for the first time it's starting to be about the series you have long term partners in play and the five hundred is a stakeholder in that not the be all and end all and as we'll talk about you know maybe a little later the five hundred field is a uh, not quite there yet i think is a good way of putting it well and and we'll we'll definitely ha- have them on before hopefully before the 500 that of course is uh, donald davidson definitely one of my mentors and he's the historian of the indianapolis motor speedway and worked at the usac the united states auto club uh for for many many years beginning in 1965 and one thing he did last year was that i thought was really excellent is they he might have, I don't know if he'd hit every single county, but they, they did a program starting in the winter before where he hit every county seat uh, in Indiana and did a, a talk, a speech, kind of a rah-rah, brought a couple PR people mm-hmm. with him and kind of meet the people, get the local media out there. And, you know, Indiana is a lot like, you know, Wisconsin. Uh, one thing Indianapolis has an advantage over that the Milwaukee Mile had is they're really actually in the center of the state and so he there's areas down in southern indiana he was going and he he told me he hadn't been some of those places ever and some places where i used to go to like way down in salem and and areas down there and he was giving speeches and the people people were coming out it wasn't like he was speaking in front of four or five people he would have a pretty decent crowd and that grassroots um program talking to doug bowles and that the speedway president really paid off and he's doing a lot of that again this year not the same formula with the county seats and that but they are doing he does have a very very heavy travel it's kind of become kind of like the face and giving uh the voices of the past of the speedway and getting people interested in it and one critic one 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 uh critique we had of the speedway and we've had of course uh Robin uh, Robin Miller from NBC Sports on and and racer, and you know was the USAC you know USAC and and the sprint and midget crowd has kind of been forgotten, and we saw Randy Bernard attempt to bring the crowds back with 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 their with the program he had, bringing a USAC champion in. Of course, we had uh, Brian Clausen who ran a couple of five hundreds in that program, and it this week. He was uh, Donald Davidson. Um, actually, has a. I actually have a point here. He actually it's went like it's, to it's the scene in planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> Springfield, Illinois, for an indoor uh, uh, midget race that they're having down there, and he's going down there and speak and talk about the elegance of Indy cars and try and talk to the USAC people. Hey, come on out down in May. You know, comes come back to the speedway. And oh, I think the, that's the speedway has done a really good job of of ticket renewals. They they are up big time over 2015. 2016 was never going to be a a perfectly achievable number just because it was the hundredth. But if they could get the number up, and and I, last I talked to Doug was in December. Uh, you know, you you always talk to Doug more as it gets closer to May. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there's a real positive vibe about about retention and keeping more people on it's it's a big test from a, a, a long-term growth standpoint because if you've got more fans committed in 17 uh and are close enough to where it was in 16 that's good um 
the snake pit's done a really good job. They've done a really good job with that for the younger crowd. But then the older crowd, which you just mentioned, that's that's the people that, you know, hang on to them while you can too, because they're they're the lineage or the ones that have lived the lived the longest, seen the most races, have their streaks of how many years we're gonna go and you know, on onward and upward for for them. And of course the other news uh, of the week is Pippa Man coming back to the speedway with uh, Dale Coyne Racing, and it, it, I think it's a really neat program she has with the uh, Susan Coleman Foundation, isn't it, Tony? It is, um, and I've talked about her in, in this program before, but um, there's a lot more behind the scenes that goes on to try to make that thing happen than people probably realize and understand uh this is something that she does year round you know it's a it's a fundraising thing there's a get involved campaign which comes together when the announcement happens uh and she's really found a home within that team and and you don't you don't qualify uh you don't have the same team same general type situation engineers or otherwise accepted for five consecutive years if you don't have good chemistry and there's a real chemistry that she has with dale coin uh with uh, the susan g Komen foundation with other partners that she works on bringing into the program she's a big fan favorite um never is really going to be a realistic win contender if we're honest but uh look at the improvements dale coin racing's made this year i mean they've won their engineering's just top notch and people don't understand she's actually a lot better at feedback than people realize and i think had her fuel saving been a little better she could have been like seventh or eighth last year so realistically a top 12 top 15 is not out of the question for for her and so um it's always good to see her back and you know if if a lot of other drivers worked as hard as she did, I think they'd be in seats as well. And of course, uh, I thought it was an interesting article he had uh, regarding Joseph Newgarden and Juan Montoya. And hopefully, if things work out, we will be hearing from Joseph Newgarden later today and a couple other drivers. Otherwise, if not, you'll be hearing uh, IndyCar trivia coming up next <laughs> yeah. on the show. So, um, yeah, the New Garden, uh, Montoya, I mean, that's that's a pretty neat I, deal. I had a long chat with Joseph earlier this week, and, and the second part of this will come next week on, on NBC Sports, uh, the motor section. But, uh, you know, you wonder about the dynamic between Joseph and Juan Pablo Montoya because Montoya's got to be thinking, you're in my car. Joseph's mm-hmm. got to be thinking, I just took over the Legends car. You know, it's like, is there going to be an awkward dynamic? Is there a, is there a, uh, a, a concern that you know you're not going to live up to par? And Montoya is just a freak of nature with what he's been able to do. Car control surreal. He's one of the best drivers of his generation. And Joseph, you know, I, I asked, I was like. Okay, so you had the chance to work with him at Barber for the first time. This was your first time. You two have actually been teammates after this whole, hey, I'm in your car type situation. What are your thoughts? He's like, dude, I have so much respect for him. And it's just like he was so effusive without needing to be necessarily saying the guy's data is incredible to look at. You know, I'm in a situation where not very many people get to see Juan Pablo Montoya's data. And I'm thinking to myself, is probably all over the map because he does some lines and and right. and some corners that he just goes out at certain angles. But he hadn't been in a car in six months, and he goes out and goes fourth quickest in testing. So it's like, you know, it, and he's quicker than Joseph, who's you know new and been been integrated with the team. So good to see that the two of them are able to maintain the respect they talked about last year. Juan talked about it actually after the Road America race where they were really battling for position, and uh, uh, that frankly i mean that's chevy's best bet at the 500 that team with five cars that's you know pretty much going to be a third of what chevy puts out is it's all from team penske and uh 
how Joseph gets on in the month of May is going to be a big test. How Juan, with really nothing to lose, gets on, he might be freed up. He might have more fun. He's already showing to have more exactly. fun. And, uh, you know, new Juan is a, a fun a fun guy to cover. I never thought I'd have the opportunity when I was watching him win as a kid, you know, at Long Beach. I was like, uh, now I'm talking to him. And sometimes I say it is what it is too much. So there you go. <laughs> Yeah, it would have been kind of neat if somehow they would have been able to do like a situation they had with Emerson Fittipaldi and Carl Haas in 96, that was with that record. Uh, yeah, Hogan Penske. Yeah, that would have been neat right. if they could have somehow got him in full-time. But he will be running uh, both events at the Speedway at the Indianapolis Grand Prix and the road course in early May. And then, of course, the Indianapolis 500. And that's going to be big for them, too, because that's going to give that crew a chance to do live pit stops in a race. That's one of those underrated things that Mm -hmm. you need that second race to really get your bearings down. Because no matter how many times you practice pit stops in practice, it ain't the same as race situations. It is. And I think that's that's a, a benefit, a huge benefit. Because right now that car doesn't have a sponsor. It's not that it it won't have a sponsor. It's just that it hadn't been announced yet. Mm-hmm. You, you have to wonder though if RP is throwing a bit out of pocket for it because he's done that in the past. And to run in a fifth car for an extra race, you know you had to get the equipment for it. You had to get the, the extra car. Um, the guy's not short on cash, but you know he's also smart now. He spends it right. Well, and it, it's an investment too, though, because you get the the sports car program coming up, and you want right. to keep that driver sharp. The and happy. The, uh, the we can't officially say it's happening. Yes. even though it seems to be the worst kept secret in all of motorsports at the moment so <laughs> that is true yeah all right well, when we come back we'll have some more indie car racing on the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary great lakes dragway in union grove along with our friends at the milwaukee area and apple auto care centers on the web at milwcar.com This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zockey in Indianapolis standing here with Connor Daly, driver of the number four ABC Supply Chevrolet Delara. And Connor, it's a little chilly today. We've seen uh, days like this. It's in uh, High no, mid forties, I guess, if we're lucky today. But uh, we've seen days like this in May. But uh, what what does this do for uh, testing today? Well, since it's a test, obviously, um, you know, we need a certain temperature to run. And, and since it's quite early in the year, you know, there's it's not like there's any rubber on the track. I, mean, I know a couple teams ran two weeks ago, but it's rained a lot since then. So, um, so yeah, I mean, there's just a certain temperature we need from Firestone, and uh, you know, to make it efficient. And uh, you know, hopefully we get it. But you know, the good thing is tomorrow does look warmer. Um, and that is an option for us if today doesn't pan out. And what does a, a test like this do for a team for like uh, AJ Foyt? Well, it's, it's extremely important for us because it, it gives us a day uh, before the month of May that we can get into this Chevy kit. You know, we've never run the Speedway kit yet. We, we, we haven't, uh, you know, had our Speedway car built up yet and, and, and run with this new program new package you know a lot of new engineers on our, our team as well new new crew members as well so uh so it just it just helps massively because we have a whole data set if we get to run you know for a full day um over things that we can at least start with in may at a, at a much better um you know position and even as a driver you're much more confident because this is a new kit and we're going so fast around this place you know you never know if this you know this kit produces a different feel immediately than the you know than the honda so so we'll see now, this is your second stint with AJ. You did a, a stint for a 500 alone a couple years ago. Uh, what's the difference between the two? 
Uh, well, I mean, I think now the team has grown a lot. I mean, obviously, uh, they were running one car full-time uh, back when I was the just the, the added entry for the Indy 500, and uh, you know, now we're running two full-time cars, and you know, they've run a third car in the past. So uh, the team has definitely grown. You know, it's awesome to have a shop here in Speedway, uh, Indiana, and, and, and I, I'm enjoying working with the guys. You know, we've got a good engineering squad. We've got a lot of really good crew members on our team. Um, but it's still a growing period, and we're still growing together. There's still a lot of things we're all learning, um, and, and people just don't realize how difficult it is, you know, making that switch from manufacturer to manufacturer, uh, you know, when, you know, when we're not, maybe not quite as big as, you know, some of the other teams. So it's, it's, it, it's, a, it's a difficult position to be in, but I'm so impressed with how hard everyone's working to, you know, to, to continue to kind of speed up our development. I mentioned this to, um, on the show a couple weeks ago. There's a lot of new things in the IndyCar series, and especially for the fans in that. And there's a shot of you at St. Pete with the visor cam. And, you know, as a, you know, fans listening in that, they, they, they may see an in-car shot at uh, an oval or someplace. And, oh, I could probably do that. Well, maybe not as fast, but, you know, I could, you know, put myself in a car. But I'm watching you at St. Pete going between those walls. And it is incredible. I mean, with with the technology, it, it was truly, really put you in the driver's seat. What what I mean, driving that tell put us in the driver's seat driving at St. Pete. Well, St. Pete was was difficult this year because it was a uh, you know all new surface for most of the track. So, um, and, and for us, there was a new brake package as well. And, and I was really struggling with the brakes at that time. And uh, we were really struggling for for rear grip as well. So it looked a lot more exciting than it should have been. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, these cars are very hard to drive, and that's what people don't understand. It's a, it's an easy uh, misconception to have. I mean, it's like, oh, well, you're just steering and turning and braking, right? But it's, you know, we're creating, you know, over three Gs most most corners on the track, you know, if not every single one. So, you know, that that's a lot of force in your body. We have no power steering. Uh, it's very hot in the car. You know, we're losing a lot of weight as we race. So. It's, it's one of those things that is maximum adrenaline, maximum mental output and physical output. And, and that's why I love it. I love totally putting everything on the line, um, you know, to go as fast as we possibly can and, and hopefully reward, you know, reward all these guys that work so hard every day for, you know, for you, for, for me as the driver to try and go out and, you know, deliver my best performance. So uh, it's, 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 I'm very lucky to do it because I really, I, I love this. And, uh, you know, there's not a lot of people that get to do it. Uh, the number four this year, any symbolism with that, or it's, it has been used in a while with Foyt Racing. So I think last time it was used full time, I think with Joe Leonard, nineteen sixty seven. I I love the change to four. Uh, was that your choice or the sponsor or what was it? Uh, I was just told before the press release was coming out that we were going to be number four, and then uh, you know four time winner AJ, so that sort of works. I like it. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean I actually grew up cheering for the four car because my stepdad Doug Bowles was was mm-hmm. co-owner of Panther Racing, so I always had my Pennzoil uh, you know shirts on back cheering for Sam Hornish Jr. and Dan Weldon, you know, Thomas Schechter, guys right. like that. So uh, so that was a really cool uh, cool time for me as a kid growing up, and then. You know, here we are now, and, and now I'm number four. And, and the funny thing is, too, we, we just have uh, Andy Brown brought in as an engineer as well. And Andy Brown used to work on the number four when I was cheering for them. So Doug and I were pretty excited about that as well. One final question. Of course, the series comes up to uh, Road America later this summer. Any special remembrances of Road America? What are you looking forward to? Well, yeah, Road America was one of my best races last year until we had a failure. So, um, 
I loved it last year. We we had such a great race, you know, battling in the top five, top six the whole day, uh, you know, and then we had a suspension failure. So hopefully that doesn't happen and we can kind of get away with another good race there because I think our cars perform so well there right. and it's just I can't wait. Thanks, I appreciate you spending time with us. Thanks, man. All right, thank you. Taken. Let's talk about my boy, Kevin Harvick. Woo, that wasn't a great race for Harvick. But you know what? It could have been much worse. He could have finished in the 30s, and nobody would have thought twice about it. Instead, he finishes, what, 13th in the race and comes back and makes something out of nothing. The, that's how champions are born, my friends. That's how champions are born. Take notes. Take notes, other drivers. That's how you do it. Now, one thing you should also be taking notes on is my prediction coming true of Kyle Larson winning that race. I told you all last week when we were out at uh, Boost Mobile that this was going to happen. Kyle Larson finally gets a win in the Cup Series. Couldn't be happier for him. And speaking of that, Kevin Harvick, I heard him say uh, on the radio this week that in his opinion, Kyle Larson, is the best race car driver to come into the sport since. But that is a big, big time statement. And if Kevin Harvick says it, well, by golly, it must be true. So I'll roll with Kevin Harvick and echo the sentiment. Kyle Larson, the best race car driver to enter the sport since Jeff Gordon. Deal with that. I like Kyle Larson. Gentlemen, have a good rest of the day. That'll do it for Sparky's Take here on File Inspection. I'm the fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.